Thanks while you're heading there. That's just my ploy to keep you standing while I say something real quick. Hallelujah. But praise God, we had, we once uh, many years ago had U.S. Congressman, this was when he was running for Congress, Brian Mass, attend our service. We had no idea who he was at the time. He came in the building. Everybody stood at amazement that somebody like that would walk in our little church. This was back when we were in a 1,200 square foot building or 2,000 square foot building, something like that. 1,900, I believe it was. This is a 7,100 square foot building, so we were about a third of this building. And he comes walking in, and everybody was amazed. Look, look, it's Brian Mass. And you know, because he, he lost his legs in the war, so he had prosthetic legs. And it was, everybody was on edge. Look at this, this big politician is in the building. Ever afterwards, everybody got pictures with him and all that. And I just thought, oh man, I wish we'd treat God like that. Oh, I wish we'd treat God like that. He may not be the president of America, but he's the king of all kings. And he's the creator of this world. I don't know about you, but he's my savior. Praise God. Before I should be impressed that a politician who's not been done, hasn't done much good for me in a long time, has been in the building. Oh, I should be grateful that the presence of the King of Kings is in the building. That means I should bow in reverence, worship with exuberance. Dance like nobody's watching because the King of Kings is in the place. Hallelujah. Ever service. We don't take a service off. We don't take a day off from praising God. We certainly don't take a, a Sunday off. No, every Sunday we ought to come in ready to worship, ready to praise, ready to lift our voice. I tell you, I'm going to wear myself out today preaching to you, and, uh, and I'm fine with that. But before I do any of that, I'm going to be worn out either way, because I'm going to wear myself out worshiping God, if not preaching to you. Right, can we just decide that I, I want to go home like I just worked a day of shift at my job. I want to go home worn out because the Lord deserves my effort greater than any job does or employer does. So I'm going to worship. I'm going to praise. Hallelujah. This isn't what I'm preaching on today, but I feel like God is in it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. I know nobody here knows what this passage of Scripture is. Nobody's familiar with Acts 2.38. Praise God. I'm joking. We use this passage of Scripture quite often. And if you don't know it today, then uh, praise God. Maybe this is why I'm preaching it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, I recognize that Paul was preaching to those in Jerusalem in that day. And there were 3,000 people gathered. Those 3,000 people were there because of the Feast of Pentecost. Many of them were not there when Jesus was crucified. I'm sure some of them were, 
But many of them were not there. They were travelers from afar. That's why they said, well, we hear him when they started speaking in tongues. They heard all these different languages because they were from all different regions. Yet he said, whom ye have crucified. Uh, Today, I feel like if Peter was here, he'd probably preach the same thing. This Lord in Jesus, whom ye have crucified. What do you mean? I've crucified Jesus. I didn't put him on that cross. I didn't nail those nails. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I didn't hang him up there for hours. That wasn't me who did it. It absolutely was. It was our sin that put him on that cross. It was our sin that put him on that cross. So I can say, I crucified Christ. This isn't even my sermon today. This is the appetizer beforehand. But I can say, I crucified Christ because my sin. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who you are here this morning, where you've been, what you've been up to. You've sinned. I've sinned. And we crucified Christ. Both Lord and Christ. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. If I crucified Christ, if I am responsible And Peter, apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What should we do then? 38. Lest his crucifix is in vain, let us obey. Acts 2.38. Amen. Then Peter said unto them, if you know it, say it with me, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not any name, not any title. I know many out there, they baptize in the name, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but they never mention the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God. If you were to write a check today, and all you put was human, father, and man, they wouldn't be able to cash that check. Because your name isn't in it. Your name is what bears authority. Hallelujah. It's the name of Jesus that bears authority. And if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, let me tell you, there's a chance today. We've got a baptismal chance today to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you've got this promise. You shall. Everybody say shall. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not a question of if, maybe, if a five-year-old can get it, You can get it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Those of you who weren't here, my son, five years old, the Friday night, received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If he can do it, you can do it. Praise God. You will do it if you have belief. 
Why? Because verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children. My little boy William, hallelujah. Unto you and to your children and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We often end it there, but let me read one more passage of Scripture. And with many other words did Peter testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Save yourself. Uh, that, that is a pretty accurate translation, but one of the, uh, another way of looking at this and, and more, maybe possibly a more accurate translation would be this. Be ye saved from this untoward or crooked generation. I want to preach to you today, be ye saved from this crooked generation. I believe the Lord's already in this place and He's about to do something awesome. Would you clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to speak to us. Let me say exactly what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. I give my heart, my mind to you. And I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you shout amen? God bless you. You may be seated. I will say to uh, our returning guest, Jennifer, and also Lady, uh, it's wonderful to have you guys with us as, again. Um, I said this earlier to uh, Sister Teresa and uh, the others uh, that, you know, the first time you come, you're a guest, but the second time you come, you're part of the family. So we're thankful for you. How about we give them a hand and all of our guests here today and, and those who have returned to be with us. Praise the Lord. This passage of Scripture is and should be the most important passage of Scripture in a Christian's life. It details specifically the plan of salvation. There is no other passage of Scripture that so clearly denotes what we must do to be saved. Amen. There's no other passage of Scripture that does it other than Acts 2.38. Many others come close. Many others, we can find similarities, we can find connections. But in this passage of Scripture, Peter is not preaching to the saved. He's preaching to the lost. And he's preaching to those who need salvation. When he stands up and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins and and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I'm still thankful for Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Praise God. And I know this morning that you've probably heard that before. But oh, let us not lose our love. For Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. 
eyes. Every, oh, come on. It's the process of being born again. When I lay my life down through repentance, I am buried through baptism. And if I'm buried with Christ, Romans 6 and 4, then I shall rise again as Jesus did with newness of life. That is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It is our death, burial, and resurrection. We believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. But He also requires that we obey the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection. We obey the gospel. Hallelujah. Now, I know I'm preaching this, and, and Wednesday night, we've got several ministers that are going to be coming and preaching this. We're going to be breaking apart Acts 2.38. I'd love for you to come, especially if you're curious about what I'm talking about. You've never heard this before. Come Wednesday night. These ministers are going to clarify what it means to repent, what it means to be baptized, what it means to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm excited about it. Praise God. It's going to be our first time doing this where we're going to have split uh, different speakers in that way. Each one of them are going to take 10 minutes to talk about each of those topics. And I believe God is going to use them. But this was all heading to a certain direction. It, it, it wasn't ending just with the promise is unto you and to your children like we often end it. Usually we end there. All right, now let's go and do it. But Peter still had some convincing to do. He wasn't through with his sermon. In fact, it says with many other words. So this was really just a, a, a summary of the things he spoke on. With many other words did he testify and exhort. Meaning he, he intensely urged them. Not just so I'm just going to stand up here and, and give a little sermon, give a little speech. I had somebody the other day say, you know, I don't know about all that red face yelling stuff. And, and I tell them, listen, I, I, I don't yell just for the sake of yelling, but if I've got to exhort and if I've got to push and I got to say, listen, you got to give your life to God. You got to listen to the word of God. And I exhort, hallelujah, because I love you. And I want to make sure you understand the urgency of what we're trying to say. He testified and exhorted them. He pushed them, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. This was his final spiel. This was his final lesson, his final urging, his final warning. He said, This generation has fallen into sin, it has become perverse. It has become crooked. Praise God. Deuteronomy 32 and 5 echoes these words. If you could throw that up for me. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 5 says, They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of His children. They are perverse and crooked generation. Now today, I know I've been preaching positive messages. I've been preaching a lot of nice things about the power of God. How many of you know He's a miracle working God? Amen. Yes, amen. 
Praise God. But we, we still have to stop for a moment and recognize that we have as a society and a generation corrupted ourselves into following after our own will and our own desires. Hallelujah. And we've become as a society a generation much like in the generation uh, that Peter spoke these words. He said they are a perverse and crooked generation or a perverse and untoward generation. What he's doing is he's bundling all of the generation, all of society into this bubble. And he says as this society has become less holy, less pursuing after God, less calling on the name of Jesus. They have slowly corrupted within themselves and they've pursued after their own will and they've pursued after their own desires and we see the result in our society today where pursuing after your own will and your own desires will lead us. Praise God. It's quiet now. Praise the Lord. See, if I was preaching on miracles, you'd be hanging from the, the uh, ceiling fans. Praise God. Hallelujah. But he says that this is an untoward, a crooked generation. The Arabic versions read this. Escape from this rough generation. This rough generation. The Bible tells us that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. He lists a series of different things that would show the end time. That's exactly what we're seeing today. We've fallen more and more out of a Christian nation. Who was it? Barack Obama had said uh, when he was president, we are not a Christian nation. There are others that might stand and say, that's not true. We don't believe that. Listen, I wish it wasn't true, but the evidence shows this nation is not pursuing after Jesus like it once was. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But because of pleasure and the pursuit of it, We've become crooked in our thinking, crooked in our mindset, crooked in our viewpoints, where even we are adopting even the most absurd of thoughts. Is this okay today? Am I telling the truth? Have you felt it? You notice that it seems like things are a little dark out there? You notice that things are a little rough. It seems like everybody's out for themselves. It seems like every political news story is about another uh, corruption, another uh, a crooked thing, another this, another that, where they are doing things that are wrong. Hallelujah, where it's all about themselves and corrupting what is the natural use of our bodies. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. And Peter, when he stood there, he said, listen, don't fall for this mess, but save yourselves from this untoward generation. He bundles all of the generation, the society, into this one package. I'm not saying everybody out there is wrong or evil. I'm not saying that every institution out there is wrong or evil. But we know this is the way of the world. 
Hallelujah, for the Bible says all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. How many know that is true? All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Meaning that out in this world, I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the influence of the devil in this world is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How many people do you know personally that their lives were corrupted and ruined because of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life? And if their life wasn't ruined... They are so far away from God because of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Hallelujah. And he says, this perversion, this crookedness, this bending of holy principles, it has prevailed in our society and our generation. And he's calling on individuals to come out of that system. How could this be? How could we have gotten to that point? Now, I'm just bringing to you scriptures. Galatians 5.19. This is why right here. Again, I'm not saying that every person is bad. But this is what the Bible says. The works of the flesh are manifested. We can see them. What are the works of the flesh? Adultery. I challenge to say you know somebody who's fallen into adultery. I challenge to say you know some person's marriage that has been ruined by adultery. Fornication. Oh, God help our young people who, as a society, we've accepted fornication and we've, we've thrust the burden and weight of that acceptance on our young people uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, Drunkenness, revelings. Can I take a pause right here? I feel in the spirit of God I need to say this. Drunkenness is not of God. That's not of God. That's the work of the flesh, not the work of the spirit. Praise God. I'm part of the family. You don't know if you want to be part of the family now. Praise God. Drunkenness is not of God. Let me tell you, uh, that, that is not of the Lord. Drug addiction is not of God. Smoking is not of God. Hallelujah. Overeating is not of God. Is this okay today? Hallelujah. Can we call sin, sin today? 
Can we get back to some absolutes and, and recognize, you know what, Pastor, you, you're right. We used to believe these things, but we've given it up. The church has given it up. And the church has said, no, I can be a drunk on Monday and go to church on Sunday. Hallelujah. I can go out partying Friday night as long as I get enough sleep so I can be in the church pew on Sunday. No, we got to recognize this is the work of the flesh. I've never met somebody who was a drunk that it didn't ruin their life and take them from the presence of God and look at this he says of such of like which I tell you before I've already communicated this several times let me tell you this again they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God oh Jesus hallelujah they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God Praise God. I'm not here just to beat you over the head. Trust me, we'll get to the good stuff in just a minute. But we've got to take a hard look at ourselves and our lives and our lifestyle. We've got to take a hard look at our world. And we've got to pinpoint the crookedness, the inadequacies, the, the, uh, the sin in our society. We've got to pinpoint it and say, well, what is Peter talking about? If he's talking about a crooked generation, what is he referring to? He's referring to that right there. And he says, the society might praise drunkenness. And society might praise fornication. And drunkenness, or and the society might praise wrath and strife. Society might praise envies. The society might praise these things. He's saying, but don't buy into it. Don't fall for the trap. There's three factors of this. He says, don't fall for the influence of this world. Save yourself from the influence of this world. The Bible says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye... Somebody shout that again. Be ye transformed by the power of God. Hallelujah. Don't be conformed to this. Don't let this world pull you into their mess and pull you into their way of there. Let me tell you, it's not a, if it's not of God, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Don't let the world pull you into it. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the power of God and by the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, I'm trying to preach to somebody today, not beat you over the head, but let you know, yes, these things are wrong, but yes, God can deliver you through them all. I'm getting ahead of myself. Influence. Opinions. God help us that we get out of the opinions that this world has set and start getting back to biblical opinion and the opinion of the Word of God, and the ideas which the Bible sets forth. Oh, praise God. Some people, well, well how do we know this? How do we know that? Oh, I tell you, you got to read the Bible for yourself. you got to study the Bible for yourself. Hallelujah. Oh, we don't know. This person says this. This person says that. Yeah, but the Bible says something. you got to figure out what the Bible says. you got to figure out what the Lord wants for your life. He says, don't fall for the influence of this world. Don't fall for the opinions of this world. 
And finally, don't fall for the fate of this world. Why? Because they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I had a co-worker just a few days ago. Uh, in fact, she, she may be watching this. She may watch this later. I sent her a sermon a few months ago that I had preached. And uh, she was so excited to watch it. She, was, she said, she's coming, please. We got to pray for her. I believe God will, will draw her. I won't, I won't say her name, but I believe God will draw her, one of my coworkers. But she, she said that she had gone to a Pentecostal church when she was uh, younger. And, and she said, you know, it, it was one of those Pentecostal churches, you know, if you sin, you're going to hell. You sin, you're going to hell. She said, and that's all they preached was if you sin, you're going to hell. And I said, well, I actually do still agree with that. I do agree that the sinners will not make it into heaven. You can feel the tension in the place. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know society says everybody's fine to do whatever they want to do and we're all good. But my Bible says that there's still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But here's what I told her, and I'll tell you the same thing. I said, hold on a minute, we'll get to the positive. I told her, I still believe that. I said, but the problem is, is usually that's all that a church will preach, is if you sin, you're going to hell. But this is what I believe in preaching. I absolutely believe preaching that, but you also got to preach and let them know, Jesus died on the cross, was crucified, so that we do not have to go Oh, let me preach for just a moment. Jesus died on the cross. He came into our world because he knew we were going to be works of flesh. We were going to be messed up. Hallelujah. We were going to fail. We weren't going to do what was. Oh, he knew you were going to mess up even before you messed up. He knew you were going to be part of this system even before you were born. And he said, I'm going to come so that I might save them from a crooked generation. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Matthew 1, 21. And she, that wonderful mother, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and ye shall call his name Jesus, which means Jehovah saves. Hallelujah. Why are you calling him Jesus? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't say he's going to save in their sins. He says he's going to save from their sins. Oh, let me tell you, you walked in this place and I may have just laid a whole bunch of sins at your feet and you may have picked them up and said, yeah, I do that. Yeah, that's part of me. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I still struggle with that. I'm not here to do that to condemn you, but to tell you your opportunity because if you've got that in your heart, let me tell you, Jesus is here and He came to set you free. He he came to deliver you. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. When he said, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Another way of saying that is, be ye 
saved from this crooked generation. It was a call to action. He says this world is bad. This world is perverse. This world is crooked. But I just gave you the answer. Now I'm calling on you. Save yourself. Be ye saved. Well, pastor, I tried to get off of this. And I tried to get off of that. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to suggest you can do it all by yourself. When he said save yourself, he was referring to Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So how can I be saved from a crooked generation? We've got to repent. We've got to repent. We've got to repent. That means we've got to come to the Lord with truth and honesty. We've got to recognize that we have messed up and we have failed and we have done wrong. I already quoted Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you're not in this place. Nobody in this place is perfect. Nobody in this place has no regret. I'd like to tell somebody today. I recognize your history. The Lord knows your history and the Lord knows the regret that has been bearing on your back for many, many years. And that weight of your regret has made it very difficult for you to trust that the Lord is able to forgive you and to change you. I'm speaking this today in somebody's hearing. For the Lord to let you know, I can forgive you and I will cleanse you and I will take away not only your sin, but I will take away your regret and I will set you free from a crooked and perverse generation. If you believe that today, would you go ahead and clap your hands and say, Jesus, we believe you're going to do it for us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. We already read Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, talking about the works of the flesh. But now the narrative switches. Why? Because the works of the flesh, that's the crooked generation. But when you repent and you're baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everybody shout amen. amen. The Spirit of God will then change you. He fixes you. You're hunched over, crooked, but He slowly makes you right again. And that sin... And that carnality that destroyed your family and broke your marriage and stole your finances, 
He says, I'm going to make it right again. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the blessedness of Jesus Christ crucified. Oh, that's why Jesus did it. It's to set right what has gone wrong. That's why Jesus did it. For this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Oh, praise God. Some of this stuff, these are foreign words to some people. I've never had love. Never had joy, peace. Oh, you're about to. All you got to do is save yourself from this untorture. Repent and be baptized and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is what comes from that transformation. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Some people today might say, well, that's, that's not my personality. Long-suffering. I, I, maybe more like short-tempered. Hallelujah. That's the work of the flesh. But Jesus says, when you come into my kingdom, I'm going to transform you, and I'm going to make you long-suffering. I'm going to make you patient and loving and kind. And where you had a difficult time keeping your attitude in check at work, the Holy Spirit is going to empower you. Come on, we talked last week about the Holy Spirit being miracle-working power. What about life-changing power? What about attitude-changing power? I still believe He's got an attitude-changing power. He's able to transform to the core of who you are. Gentleness. I told our, our ministers on Tuesday, I believe God has blessed our ministers with gentleness. Maybe we're not as forceful as some others, or maybe we need to at times, but that's okay because He's made us gentle. Goodness. Faith. Verse 23. Meekness. Temperance. Against such there is... No law. There's nothing restricting you from allowing the Spirit of God to take a hold of you and to change you. This is the blessed blessing of the gospel that the Lord would transform us. And then look, look, this is what we're promised. Philippians 2.15. This is the result. Philippians 2.15. That ye may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. But you're going to shine as light in the world. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost now. You're going to shine as light in the world. You were once a part of the system. He says, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to make you shine. And everybody's going to look at you. What's different about you? You can say, I got Jesus in my heart. I've given my life over to him. He set me free. He transformed me. And now I'm walking in the light. Hallelujah. I'm walking in the light. Oh, praise God. Anybody today want to be the light of this world? Isn't that what the Jesus said? For ye are the light of this world. Hallelujah. You're a city set on a hill. It's like a, a, a lighthouse, no doubt. He was referencing a lighthouse where in the midst of a dark, a dark, stormy sea, 
where every person's just trying to hold on and survive. Every person's just trying to hold on for their lives to make it through the rough terrain. All of a sudden, off in the distance, they see a light. (laughs) And that light draws them in that they will know where to go. And that is the shore of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. He's going to make somebody a light today. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Praise God. Man, this is, this is a lot today. But he's saying, don't be in relationships. Now, let me also say, if you're married to somebody who's not a believer, the Bible does reference that and says that you should not leave that partner but to continue to serve the Lord and by your faithfulness, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, by your faithfulness, that person, your spouse has a chance to believe. I I knew a, a lady. She was so faithful to the house of God. Her husband, for many, many years, she had backslidden, came back after she was married. He was, not only was he an unbeliever, but he hated God and he hated church. Now I know for some of us today, this this is going to seem outrageous. It absolutely is outrageous. In his culture, it was not uncommon for husbands to spank their wives. I know today that's absolutely absurd and it is. That should not be acceptable, not in any culture or any way. But she had grown very accustomed to this. In fact, every time she went to church, she'd go and sit down in the same chair and wait for him. And he'd come in and he'd ask her, did you go to church? She'd say, yes. All right, well, I'm going to do this then. And he would spank her and he would beat her. But she said, there was something in me that says I can't stop. Hallelujah. When you are persecuted, man, it puts something in you that says I got to keep going at it. And I can't let go. And I can't stop what God is doing in my life. So she just stayed faithful. Hallelujah. I don't remember how long it was. It was around years. I do know that. It was at least a year, if not a couple years, maybe a few years that she kept going to church. And she was faithful. And every Sunday she'd go home and she'd get ready in that same chair for her beating. One day, she'd become so numb to it. She walked in from church after just a wonderful service. And she went and sat down in that chair. The lights were off. And she heard over in the corner some sobbing, some crying. So who is that? It was her husband. He says, in all these years... Every time you've gone to church, I've beaten you. My hope was that I could beat this out of you. He said, but it seems like you've just gotten stronger. 
says, I don't understand this. And I don't know what it is that you're doing. Or I don't understand God. And I don't understand the Bible. But whatever you've got, I want some of that. Can I tell you today, he's a Pentecostal preacher. Hallelujah. And it's all because there was a lighthouse in a crooked generation. Oh, there was a lighthouse that says, I'm going to stand even when nobody else is standing. And I'm going to be holy even when nobody else is holy. I'm going to go to church when no one else is. Oh, I'm going to be a lighthouse in a crooked generation. But be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? doesn't say you can't be friends with them, but it does say that you can't be friends with their sin and unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And if you cannot be friends with them and remain in the church and keep your convictions, then you shouldn't be friends with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is this all right today? Because what communion hath light with darkness? Jesus sat with the, the sinners. We know that. We should sit with sinners. We should love on sinners. We should friends the sinners. We should be a light to the sinner. But the moment the sinner has more influence on us than we have on them, that's time to cut ties. Amen. What communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Hallelujah, he's trying to make a separation, a distinction between the world and the church. There is a separation. There is a distinction. We've gotten so caught up in the mix of this world. God says, listen, there is no relationship between the people of God and the ways of this world that is corrupt and perverse. He says, for ye are the temple of the living God. And God hath said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Look at verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And here's the promise. I will receive you. I will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He says, if you'll leave the world and the crooked, perverse generation, if you'll save yourself, if you'll be born into the kingdom of God, I will bring you into my family. You'll be part of my society. You'll be part of my kingdom. You'll be part of the church. Oh, praise God. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord today? How do we do it, Peter? You said, save yourselves. How do we save ourselves? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Repent and be baptized for the remission, the washing away of the sins of this world, laying it aside, setting it down, and walking away. I'm not part of that. I'm coming out from this crooked 
backwards society. How about we stand today? The story in the Gospels. Jesus is preaching about repentance. He presented several 